stuck by ya. Your level will be too much. This is the I Don't Care You Listen podcast. My mom, Shawnee, and my auntie, Leonica. This is episode 24. Like 24 hours in a day, 24-7. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. And remember, you're a sunflower. I think your love will be too much. I had a, a an attempt at a new business venture today not go exactly according to plan, and that's okay. Bob and Weave, moving on, adjust, accommodate, um... Keep on keeping on. That's what we do. That's what I do. That's what you do. And I don't care if you listen. Episode 24 is in full effect. Hey, Lee. Hey, Shell. How you doing? I am okay. I got to keep my head up. Yeah. Got to keep That's my head right. up. Yeah. Um, How are you feeling? You said you had a little bit of laryngitis going on. I do. I am so hoarse. I've been hoarse all week. I can't get rid of it. You got sexy voice. It's sexy voice. <laughs> I don't think so. You're in the mix. (laughs) No, it's a bit too deep for me. Well, the thing that I was telling you about, I used to do it um, when I was on the radio, when I would get that kind of dry, horsey feeling where Mm -hmm. it would just kind of dry out, where I didn't feel like I hadn't, my vocal cords were not lubed up enough. I don't know why it worked. My uh, daddy, my dad's mom, she told me one time to take ghee, which is clarified butter, we use it a lot in Indian cooking and just slather it all over my throat and then wrap a scarf, sleep. Every time I did that, I would wake up and my voice would be just like butter. And I don't know if it's because it seeps through the skin or what happens, but every time I ever did that, it totally lubed up my vocal cords to where they didn't have that dry kind of, where you just felt like your every breath you take in is like making it ashy in your throat. Yeah. Yeah. Scratchy. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, if, and it, I don't know what it is. I don't know why it works. And I don't know if it's psychosomatic to me, but it, I swear by that. If I get to a point where I need to talk and my voice just is so raw, I take that ghee and just, it doesn't smell awesome, but I slather it all over my neck. I was throat. thinking about getting some vapor rub. Yeah. It's that humidity. You gotta turn on your humidifier. Mm-hmm. So what's been up? You been eating any Burger King or Birders from Burger King and uh, McDonald's and Wendy's uh, with uh, candelabras and uh, you been eating any fancy fast food lately, Lee? Girl. What the actual? What, 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 what the actual? Did that man feed a football team? Fast food in the White House. Did that man put ketchup packets, the same gravy boat that Abraham Lincoln used? Did he really do that? He did, didn't he? He totally did. I would like to say a whole bunch of stereotypical things, but I'm not going to do that because I don't want to insult the people who are stereotyped by (laughs) comparing him to them. But that was um, not classy. To say the least. And it was rude. These are athletes, champions. You could at least gave them a salad. I feel like these guys are all in school on a scholarship because of their immaculate bodies being beautiful machines that can get the job done. And now you're giving them crap because there's a shutdown and you only wanted to spend 500 bucks, Mr. Golden Potty. You couldn't like, 
I don't know, take him out to dinner. I mean, I know there's all this union stuff about food they brought in. There's a lot of other things he could have done. Come on. And I thought it the second I saw it, and then I saw memes about it. There is nothing more perfect to define this presidency than that man standing behind that table, proud as all get out, serving a table full of junk food. That is just so poetic because he's serving us junk food every single day. He's leading us down the metaphoric, diabetic, blood pressure, heart disease way because that's the path he's taking us down, the path to destruction. So that's just him putting it out there for you. To say the least. <sighs> Not to mention all the people who didn't get a paycheck. The Coast Guard didn't get paid this week. Longest shutdown in history. TSA still not getting paid. My parents are flying this week coming to visit us, and I'm almost a little bit like, what is the airport situation going to be like? Because everybody's talking about, well, the TSA workers should strike. Mm -hmm. You know, force their hand, they should strike. But man, could mm -hmm. they strike after the 22nd? <laughs> Please. Right. Because I read somewhere that they said the only way they're going to end the shutdown is if TSA calls in and the flights are grounded so people go crazy. How is this even real? I still, this is why we do this podcast, so that I could come to grips with the fact that this is reality. That's why we do this. Back to life, back to reality. Back to so Nancy Pelosi, did you see what she, she did? She a letter. Yeah. I thought that was really cool of her. <laughs> Delivering the State of the Union in person before Congress is not mandated by the Constitution. It is a courtesy extended by the Speaker of the House. And she canceled uh, Donald Trump's State of the Union address. She said that um, due to security concerns, she just, you know, with the shutdown, she didn't feel like uh, it should happen right now. And, and that was that. And I heard he retaliated with, with grounding a plane of hers or something. Trump fires back at Pelosi. Uh, he threw the latest punch in his battle with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, canceling her military plane for an overseas trip just one day after she suggested postponing his State of the Union address. Due to the shutdown, I'm sorry to inform you, your trip to Brussels, Egypt, and Afghanistan has been postponed. Due to the shutdown, I'm sorry to inform you, your trip to Brussels, Egypt, and Afghanistan has been postponed. Trump wrote in a letter to the California Democrat. He called the trip a public relations event and said that it would be better if you were in Washington negotiating with me to end a partial government shutdown, now nearing its fifth week. Trump didn't address Pelosi's request that he delay the State of the Union. The Washington Post just wrote, Trump's petty response to Pelosi is why this shutdown may never end. Yep. The state of the government shutdown negotiations is now just two adults treating each other like children. What shiny toy can they take away next is punishment. So pathetic. So pathetically. Like, so I pathetic. I can't even... And everything in the meanwhile is just breaking down. Systems are breaking down, breaking down, breaking down. I'm assuming you don't watch the show Daredevil, right? Mm -mm. On Netflix. Between the Netflix show, the Scientology show, which I'm coming to the conclusion, Leah Remini, I really think you should start digging into whether or not Donald Trump is connected to the Scientologists. Because this whole make things disappear that you don't want people to know about thing that's what the Scientologists do. That's what the gangsters do in Daredevil. That's what Wilson Fisk does. They just buy the government. They just buy the FBI. They just buy people. 
and they pay the right people. And we were talking about R. Kelly all that last week. Like everybody just pays money to bury dirt. This is like yeah. whole world of Michigan State University. Yeah. One after the other. We can literally go down, like we probably have a never ending list of payoff schemes. That's how the world works. So it's all a payoff. Everything's a payoff. That's where we're at, right? Yep. Is that something that we address in our lives? What do we do? Is that just something we just go about, do-do-do, everybody's getting paid off? We got to call people out and lock them up. That's what they're doing at Michigan State. I'm so glad. I saw Engler resigned. He needed to. Did you hear what that fool said? No, what did he say? Okay. Let me Google it so I don't get it wrong. Associated Press. In April, Kaylee Laurentix, who was sexually assaulted by Nasser, said Engler offered her $250,000 to drop her lawsuit against the university. See, everybody's on the payoff. Okay. Chicago Tribune. Michigan State President Engler resigns after saying sexual abuse victim enjoyed the spotlight. Ew. Mm-hmm. That is why he was forced to resign. So he said that the victims are have been in the spotlight and are still enjoying that moment at times. You know, the awards and recognition. So when I call him a fool, <laughs> he absolutely doesn't get it. Right. I'm trying to think of what to say because in my head I'm thinking there's words that are floating around in my head. Mansplaining, white privilege, um, chauvinistic, sexist, misogynistic awful, systematic, systemic privilege. And then I was thinking about this Gillette commercial I keep hearing about, which I have not seen. Okay, Gillette, congratulations on, you know, your PR, whatever you've done there. Do men really not want to hear the truth? I don't think they do. They want to continue to, oh, girl. But are we in a position? Are we in a place now? Are we here? Are we here? Are we at the oh, door? We're here. We're here. We're not. We're not standing for it anymore. So they're getting called out. That's why he had to step down. If you don't get it, and you won't get with it, but then there's the president, Lee. He's gonna have to get it too. You think TSA is getting ready to set it off, and other departments too. I just catch these headlines of like, now their instruction is get a loan or do a garage sale or, you know, like, these are things you should do during the shutdown to help yourself stay afloat, you know, like lame ass things like that. And I don't know, one, how long that's going to go on. Two, how is that sustainable? How do you sustain that? And you'll get back pay after it's over. And how do we have a country that's going to, that travels as much as we do be okay with getting on planes that, I mean, there was a guy who got a gun all the way to, to Japan or something like that. And he told them when he got to Japan, like, hey, I got this through. Wow. Yeah. How bad is it going to get before it's going to get fixed? It's going to get bad. That's scary. Something bad. That's so something scary. Something bad is going to happen. I don't want to say it. I don't want to think it. I don't want to feel it. I want to feel like Happy hunky to worry positive, all good shit. The government for hire at a combat site. Left to us are coming in a hurry with the furies breathing down your neck. Team my team reporters battle Trump, Kevin Kraft, look at that, no plane, fine, then, uh-oh, overflow, population, common food, but it'll do, save yourself, serve yourself, world, serve your own needs, listen 
you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. A podcast with Shalini and Liana. Feels like there's the reality that we're raised to believe exists. And the real reality is not that. So I guess I'm just hitting this confusion of like, what's real at this point? I have decided that most of what I was taught when I was young about the world does not match up with my own experiences. Example. Example. Give me one or two two examples. Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny. Done, done, done. Check, check, check. Got it. You know, they said all this sweet, lovely things. Doesn't happen. That's not real. Honesty is what I've always been told. As long as you're honest, you got nothing to worry about. Yesterday, I was at a speedway, and I had a migraine that wouldn't quit, and I don't know what happened, but I reversed into a trash can, and the trash can hit this fire extinguisher box, and it bent the box, like, pretty bad. Like, nobody came out. I could have drove off. There was that part of me that said it's 2019, Donald Trump is president, go away, drive off, Shalini. But then there was that person that my family raised that said, you go in there and you tell them you hit that and you let them know that you hit that and that was you and if they need anything, they can call you. Mm-hmm. I went in, I told them it was me. Lady came out. She was like, oh, 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 yeah. I got to call my boss. I got to see what to do. And I was like, I got to pick up my kid. Here's my name and number. Call me if you need me. But I really thought about driving off because I feel like I'm. that's what I'm supposed to do now. But I don't know how to be there, that person. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how, I, I don't know how to do that. There's got to be a lot of people who couldn't do that. There's got to be a lot of people who would do the same thing. They'd go and tell them. Right. So, Why would you drive off? Right. That's not who you are. No. But those of us who are those people that would go and say something, like, how do we win in this big, messy game? While everybody does what they do, you got to be true to you. Yeah. Fact. That's true. And know your truth. You know what I mean? As long as you know, that's all that matters. What everybody else thinks, oh, well. So, yeah, they say you should drive off. You're stupid for not driving off. What's wrong with you? Trump would have driven off. P.S. Girl. And told him, told him off for having it where he could. <laughs> it was a blind <laughs> spot. It was in his way. It was a total blind spot. I had a migraine, and it was a blind spot, and it was just one of those moments where it was like, when I felt it happen, I was like, oh, please don't be another car. And I was just happy it wasn't another car. Right. Wasn't a person. That was good. Definitely. Exactly. Whatever. I got lucky. Some people would have drove off if it was. I know. And yeah, that's the world we live in. It's sad, girl. A 17-year-old high schooler just got killed up here for some weed. What? By another 17-year-old. Like, 17-year-olds are shooting each other for weed? You know, it's funny. Kamari hasn't had a phone in like three months. Yeah. But today I just paid the deductible on his insurance, me yeah. and D, because yeah. a 17-year-old just got shot. Mm-hmm. Over some weed. Cousin. Yeah. Over some weed. And they shot this boy and pushed him out the car and left. Over some weed. Over weed. Bro, 
broad daylight in the middle of a plaza. What is wrong with the coping mechanisms? Is it coping mechanisms or is it just a retaliation on the system of the world and realizing, hey, if Donald Trump's being a pig and getting away with it and doing dirt and getting away with it, then why can't I do dirt and get away with it? Or is it really just like everything is so jacked up, we've got bad coping. We're the worst coping generation. This generation is the worst coping people ever. Is that why suicide rates are up? Yes. I think it's the latter. Yeah? I do. They don't think like us. They weren't told the things that we were told because they're being raised by people who weren't told those things either, you know? But isn't that our children? Isn't it our generation of our children? I mean, we were told yeah. that, but our, so are we doing, have we, we failed them as a, I'm quite proud of mine. Yeah, as you should be, but I'm saying. But we can't take care of all, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think the community has grown to such where neighbors don't know each other's neighbors, and if you see your neighbor's kids doing something, you may tell their parents, or you may not, but you're definitely not going to talk to the kids because they might shoot you, or at least cut, cut you out, disrespect you, whatever. And their parents might do the same. Right. So people are isolated and this culture has festered. If I were to go and break down that down to severe basics, could it be argued then that, yeah, I too won't say anything to a an ill-mannered kid for fear of their parents or them coming to shoot me. I don't ever remember being so scared of guns before. At one time in my life, I just didn't think just anybody could get a gun. So maybe I had a bigger mouth back then. Do you think that the gun violence and the increase in gun violence that we see has like frozen us all into we're not going to talk about shit anymore because we're afraid of getting shot? Like, could I get that basic with it? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. The NRA owned a whole generation. Took an entire innocence away from an entire society. That's nuts! Along, along with alcohol, crack, heroin, meth. You put all that stuff together, like, girl, here, there are so many people homeless, people with jobs, working, the shelters are always full. The housing market is so competitive. I got relatives who have lived in a hotel for two years. Jeez. And know a whole bunch of other families in similar situations. Yeah. It's it's sad. Yeah. Like people people are struggling, couch surfing, sleeping in cars. And so they're angry. You know, I, I don't think but there's a lot of people doing really good. There's a lot of people doing really well. Yeah, Making a true. lot of money. I mean, tech, e-commerce, and that technology has made a lot of rich kids. Yeah, who have access to knowledge to get to it. Right. I mean, there's it's the in-between. It's the people in the middle. The underemployed, unemployed, that that and and that's a that's a larger percentage obviously than the people who have made it mm -hmm. and you know it's i think we hear this all the time you hear politicians say it all the time i heard nancy pelosi say it the other day a country is really only as good as its middle class yeah i've been hearing that a lot if your middle class is okay then 
everybody's good. But if your middle class is struggling and suffering, then you don't, that's not a middle class. Then there is no middle class. And right now it's the shrinking of the middle class. Right. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if you listen. The podcast with Shalini and Leonica. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Morning, Truman. Morning, Spencer. Hey, Pluto. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, down. He won't hurt you. Get down. Yeah, I know. It's just me. Come on, Pluto. What were the days like when people farmed their food and you know, grew their food and woke up and said hi to the neighbors and had their coffee on the porch and the kids played in the yard. What was that like? Did I can't even imagine. When people used to do that and that was just day-to-day life and it wasn't about like how much stuff you had or what kind of house you had or what kind of, everybody was in the neighborhood and, you know, what was that like? Because there was a time, I've read books about it, I've seen it in movies, I know there was a time where people were chill. Yeah. The chill factor is definitely, I think. <laughs> yeah, people aren't chill anymore. Everybody wants to get hype. Everybody wants to get crunk. Everybody wants to get famous. Like, do you and- find a lot of people near you, like your generation, maybe even Dre's generation, do they, they go to the club and just dance all night anymore? I think, yeah. See, and that is, like, I'm finding that to be shrinking. Well, probably because people are shooting up nightclubs all over this country. Right. Exactly. That's why I don't, like, I wanted to go to this Prince thing last weekend, and I was just like, mm, nah. Went to Michael Jackson a couple weeks ago. Which looked awesome, by the way. That looked so fun. Yeah, it was. But it was like, I, I did not like being around all the people. I did not like the crowds. I went to the Ed Sheeran concert. and. Oh. We were, it's 60,000 people, but I felt the same way. I was like, here I am in the stadium, 63,000 people. Like, do I feel safe? I don't know if I feel safe. I'm not sure if I feel safe here. Always looking for exits. Where's the exit? There was a time in my life, every Thursday through Sunday, I was at the club from 7 p.m. till 4 a.m. Come out, hair pulled back, sweating so much from dancing, nonstop. I've been looking for that for years. I really have, and I know I'm older, so I know that I'm not at like all like the hot spots and I might be out of the loop. There's a good chance of that too, but. When we were coming up, it's, it's a different, it's different, Shell. Now there's like robo tripping and ecstasy and Molly, you know, it's, it's different. They are like we were. We weren't. Don't I, that. doesn't that make us sound old? I don't care. I'm proud. It's of true, it. right? Think, but I know people my age who, who, well, a little younger than me, who, who, you know, experiment with that stuff. That's how I, you know, how I know about it. And it's like, okay, no, I ain't hanging out with y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's really a matter of I think when you're when you're a parent too, you're like, I can't mess around and take these chances. Well, I exactly. You yeah, know, that's part of being a grown up. I'm not trying to. Get out my body, out my soul, out my mind. Mm-mm. I'm not trying to get messed up. No, I don't need to. I'm good. No. Yeah. But, I know. And they're more concerned with that than dancing. But that's crazy. We used to cut loose. I remember this dude, Robert. He 
this dude loved to dance just like me, but I remember he used to walk around with his white, you remember dudes used to be in the club with their like white washcloth, you know, wipe the sweat off the head. That was just the thing, right? Like, you know. Girl, my husband gave me his. Oh. Well, I took it. That's so cute. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. You, I love you so much you could have my dancing sweat rag. <laughs> no, it was, oh, my God, it's so hot. Give me that rag. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's mine now. Sorry. And we weren't dancing. We was walking down the street. I just ran into him and my cousin. There was a club I used to go to in Chicago all the time. I forgot what it was called, but you went there with me. When you and Dion first got together. That place, that club would, had one club in front and then you would go back and there was a whole different club in the back and the DJ would be killing it. And it was full of people dancing, dancing. and drinking and having a good time. People did not shoot each other. They got in fights. I saw plenty of fights. We saw fights all the time. And if somebody did shoot, they were shooting at the people they were fighting or the people who were with the people they were fighting. They weren't shooting at everybody. Like, people go into large venues with the intentions of killing as many people as possible. And then themselves. Isn't that the MO? And then themselves. And then after that, they kill themselves. Like, that makes some kind of point. (laughs) I don't care if you listen. This is episode 24. I'm Shalini. She's Leonica. Thanks for listening. We're just kind of wrapping up uh, the craziness. We're tr- what do we do? We I think we try and come up with answers, right? That's what we're trying to do. We're we're trying to make ourselves feel better about where things are. It's reassuring me that I'm not crazy, and somebody else sees this nonsense because I do wonder if it's scripted. Like this can't be. Yeah, it's real. That's literally the theme song for this whole podcast. The country is going to hell right now. We are watching it. History is being made and written and for centuries They will talk about the shutdown of 2018 and 19 over a wall. And Nancy Pelosi's plane getting grounded. Because he was mad that she wouldn't let him have a State of the Union address. You know, sometimes I say to Chris, like, you know, I spent all this time editing and really sitting here and thinking about this podcast and making sure that we kind of, you know, have this and that. And Chris is like, someday your kid is going to be able to listen to what it was like to go through the time that you went through. He was like, so if nothing else, you're at least documenting what it was like to go through a crazy experience with the Trump presidency or whatever this whole mess is. I don't even know if it's a Russian takeover. I don't know what it is. Whatever it is. One day, our kids are going to be able to pull this up and see what we were thinking. We think this is crazy! (laughs) Oh, man. Just for the record, if you listen to this, if this is the year 2040, and you're like, hmm, I wonder what they were talking about back in 2019? 
Mm-hmm. We think this is crazy. Nuts. Period. Bizarre. Crazy. Ridiculous. Ludicrous. Vicky, Vicky, nuts. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. There was something so pleasant about that place. Even your emotions have an echo and so much space. And when you're out there without care, yeah, I was out of Scientology, the fact that she's trying to expose Scientology, she keeps saying the reason that they can get away with the things they get away with, the Scientologists, they like keep people in holes and camps and like take all their money from them and abuse them. And she says, you know, the reason that they can do that, all these things is because of their tax exempt status. In season one, we basically dealt with the effects of disconnection. And then in season two, we wanted to show you a wide range of abusive policies in hopes that that would be enough for the authorities to step in. And that didn't happen. So in season three, we thought, okay, let's just follow the money. Scientology takes tax-free dollars and ruins people's lives. Scientology continues to have tax-exempt status. I am scared. I know how powerful that church is. Scientology's hiring private investigators, threatening people, following them. What are we really doing? Is that what Scientology is now? The difference between a religion and a cult is what happens when you try to leave. Exposing abuses is one thing. Putting an end to them happens by governmental action. Let's follow the money in hopes that something is going to take away this organization's ability to hurt people. They have real estate all over the world. How are they kidnapping people and putting them in holes? It's so intense, the stuff that this group does. They psychologically twist people into believing that they are serving the greater good. And they get them to max out their credit cards, buy all these materials to climb the ladder of spirituality. (laughs) And basically, they take ownership of them to the point where people will write affidavits saying, no, he never hit me. That is crazy. He never, ever hit me. I have never been abused while being here. Explain what happens if you walk up to those gates and tell security, open the gate, I want to leave. Oh, they will physically restrain you. They will physically grab your body and take you away from the gates and walk you to the officials to then get you interrogated and get you handled so you will not want to leave. The captain of the entire base, he 
tried to leave. He took a car and he took his wife and at three o'clock in the morning, he tried to drive out the gates and the guards stopped him and they didn't let him out. We were told that if you do leave, you will have nothing, any friends, family that I would ever have outside of Scientology or inside of Scientology, you can no longer talk to them. You will basically be committing the biggest sin that you could possibly commit and you'll probably die of cancer. And that's, that actually was said to me. That you would die of cancer. <laughs> that I would die of cancer. You would rather die because then you're dying in the Sea Org. This is the mental prison, the, the prison of belief that exists. There is the physical, the gates and the barbed wire and this and that, which, is, which has the effect of stopping you enough that they can grab you, yeah. but the real control is mental. There was really no nowhere that I could turn, and I felt so degraded as a person I was out digging ditches and and I thought that this is not the life that I want to live and um, I um, wanted to end my life. It's another show that I watched, the Leah Remini. She's she left Scientology. She was in it, and she's trying to expose it. And she, her first two seasons, she was like, she thought for sure they would be exposed. Like clearly, everybody knows the FBI knows everything. But um, now she's like, this year I literally have to follow the money because I have to show them, you know, why they should not have tax exempt status. But still, they still continue going about their day to day. You know, they got their. I mean, they've got real estate all over the world, these like huge extravagant, you know, pieces of real estate right here in Clearwater, where I live, just north of me. They've got these huge extravagant buildings with nobody in them. And they say like, you know, um, office for world unity and it's empty. It's literally the tax shelters where they just put their money in real estate. They just dump it in there and it's tax exempt. I think they're like 22,000 or 30,000 people in Scientology right now. Tom Cruise is one of them, Kirstie Alley. I don't know how, but it all feels Stop like somehow my... it's all connected. People are being enslaved. They are. That's what religion for money. does. That's what it does. It controls people. If anybody told you, you need to give me money for this, go max out your credit card. How many people do you know would go and do that? Okay, I'm... <laughs> My grandmother used to send money to Jim and Tammy Baker. Praise the Lord, may I help you? Jim and Tammy Faye Baker were the most famous televangelist couple in America. God works. He does answer prayer. He's the president of a multi-million dollar religious organization called the Praise the Lord Club. Here's a pledge that was just called in right after the program yesterday for $1,000. The industry of religious broadcasting was in its heyday at that period. The Bible says, by that work shall you know them. You gave your heart to Jesus. This book will live on. Well, these were people that decided they could use television to broadcast a church service the same way you would use television to broadcast the evening news. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker were something different. Like, Jim Baker wasn't at a podium 
talking to a congregation, he was behind a desk, like a talk show host. Jim and Tammy Baker were the Ken and Barbie of televangelists. They were both cute, they were both personable, they both said the right things to make people feel good, and they seemed honest. They brought encouragement and hope to lots of people, to hurting people. Many times when I'm home, maybe down in the dumps or whatever, I'll turn on the TV, listen to Jim Baker, and it will renew my strength. I have a feeling some of you folks would be more than happy to help me to pay my television time so I don't have to be embarrassed with these TV stations. Early on, when they began to build their network of affiliate stations, they had to buy airtime. Instead of us running a commercial and being paid for that commercial, we just went directly to our viewers and said, if you like what you see, help us. The only way that we can continue to come into your home every day is if you care enough to dial that 800 number and become a partner. All of your favorite shows are asking you to give them money by buying products. It was no different. It's going to take a million dollars tonight, and our clock is just ticking away. It's a fascinating story about American religion. You need deliverance. It's a fascinating story about American culture. I think it has a kind of timelessness to it. Let's give the devil a black eye. Good. Amen. Jim and Tammy Baker got so much of the Riley. They got the Riley family inheritance. Them and Reverend Samuel, I think his name is. Some reverend that could would send letters of blessings and stuff like that, and she could buy more blessings. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing because my family's done exact. They've done the same thing, I'm sure, time and time again. So I'm not laughing yeah, at grandma. Yeah, special candles yeah, or yeah, yeah. potions. I, right, right, and right, right, right. Just, and that's what people do. Like, I was talking to, today at work about somebody who they had to take this person's phone because they kept calling everything on TV and just ordering it. That's how so many people are hoarders. Home shopping network. <laughs> so people are down well, to like one of the ways. give their money up to pay for blessings. Pascal's wager. People give money up just because people say, give me your money. Like I was at the bank one time. This old lady, she was like, the IRS called me and said, I need to pay. I owe some back taxes and I need to withdraw this amount of money. And we were like, uh-uh, lady, you don't need to do that. You need to call the police. <laughs> That's what you need to do. Call the police. The uh -huh. IRS is not calling, asking you to do with, to, and she was getting ready to take everything out of her bank account and probably send a money gram. Like, pe yeah, people are gullible. They will, yes. And then if you're offering them eternal life or heaven come on now what matters with this worldly stuff when after you leave here you're going to have it so yeah go ahead give me your 10% time and 25% for the building fund and um, give a general offering too of whatever you think you need to do and I just feel like that money is so much better spent taking care of children that need to be taken care of that are existing on this planet because they're the next generation coming up. If we invested the money 
that we invest in churches and other religion, religious We entities. said this, remember we said this, churches should not be tax exempt. I don't care if you listen, I don't care if you listen, I don't care if you listen. A podcast with Shalini and Liana. We gotta fix the world. How do we fix the world? We gotta keep talking about reality. And like you said, help other people realize that it's reality isn't what we've been taught. I mean, I, and I guess that's what made people different from animals is we just have this, we construct our own like kingdom and have this idea of what it should be and then we build it. But Somebody was telling me that they heard a statistic, you know, some psychoanalyst, some research about how 90% of the decisions we make are based on other people's opinions. Well, yeah, because everything that we absorb, everything we read, everything we watch, somebody else has created. It's somebody else's influence. Everything's always somebody else's influence. Yeah. That's a damn shame. Because we're a lot of unique individuals. There's a lot of... I just wonder what the world would be like if we all just did what was innately enjoyable for us. It would be a cesspool. It would be corrupt. (laughs) And scarier than it is now. Would you have people singing in the streets? Would there be people just running up and down singing on the streets? Probably. That would be nice. I don't know. Quiet is nice sometimes. Right? I don't know. I, if everybody did what they really, really enjoyed, I wonder what the world would be like. Wow. The Twitter CEO was interviewed by HuffPost, and apparently he waffled when he was asked about Donald Trump inciting violence. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey really doesn't want to get into the particulars about when or whether he'd ban Donald Trump from his platform, even if it's a hypothetical call for his followers to kill journalists. In an exclusive interview with HuffPost's Ashley Feinberg, Dorsey waffled when asked if he'd ban Trump, who has repeatedly incited violence among his base, especially against the media, if the president directed his Twitter followers to murder someone. Here's the exchange. Feinberg. Okay, but if Trump tweeted out asking each of his followers to murder one journalist, would you remove him? Dorsey. That would be a violent threat. We definitely, you know, we're in constant communication with all governments around the world, so we'd certainly talk about it. Feinberg, okay, but if he did that, would that be grounds to Dorsey? I'm not going to talk about particulars. We've established protocol. It's transparent. It's out there for everyone to read. We have, independent of the U.S. president, we have conversations with all governments. It's not just limited to this one. So he wouldn't be, so you say hi, Auntie Leonica. Hi, Auntie Leonica. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. <laughs> hey, baby. Hey, baby. Are you hungry? Yes. Can you give me a little bit here? Yeah. I know it's a little late, but can you give me a little bit? And can you show me what a scorpion looks like? Yes, I can show you what a scorpion looks like. Do you think Donald Trump should be banned from Twitter? I don't know. Oh, that's a good answer. You don't know, don't answer. 
That's what a scorpion looks like. I told you it's like a cross between a spider and a crab and a... Lobster. Lobster, yeah. That's a lobster? No, this is a scorpion. People who are born in November are also scorpions. You should never tick off a scorpion because they're not nice when they get angry. Fact. You know any scorpions, you know what I'm talking about. Can you see that bladed hand? You're a Capricorn. You know that, Chad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, can I finish my podcast? What and is I'll a make Capricorn? A Capricorn? That's my zodiac sign. Auntie Leonica is a Pisces. Her birthday's coming up next. That's right. Are going to sing happy birthday to her? Happy birthday to you. She's got a month, though. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Auntie Leonica. Happy birthday to you. And many more. And many more. You have a great singing voice. Thank you. Well, okay. I'll make you dinner in a few minutes. Can you give me a sack? The sunflower, I think you love me too much. <laughs> like this one? Too cute. racist with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification one day right there in Alabama little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers I have a dream today shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is a faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day with all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning my country tears of thee sweet land of liberty of thee i sing land where my fathers died land of the pilgrims pride from every mountainside let freedom ring and if america is to be a great nation this must become true and so let freedom ring 
From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom reign. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last.